How do I pronounce your surname? McElroy. McElroy, as in yeah. the golfer? Yes. Right, like okay. How did you pronounce it earlier? Was McElroy. McElroy. Yeah. yeah. I get that a lot. McElroy, like yeah. the golfer. Like the right. golfer. I'm going to put that like the golfer. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, my nickname at Sagar is actually is Rory. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> Roars. Right. That's his I don't think we know it well enough to call her Rory yet, but we'll, <laughs> by the end of the pod... Right, welcome okay. to podcast, Lauren. <laughs> it's like the golfer, McElroy. McElroy, Lauren McElroy. Yeah, that's right. Like the golfer, like Rory. The golfer. Uh, Lauren, for watchers, listeners, do you want to introduce yourself, who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So I'm Lauren McElroy, like the golfer. Um, I work at AAB, I'm a partner there and I'm head of the virtual finance function. Good stuff. So virtual finance function, for those that aren't familiar... Can you just give us a bit of an overview? What What is that? What, does, what do you do? Yeah, so virtual finance function is we effectively provide finance solutions for people who either don't have any finance team in-house or have a very limited finance team. So we can do everything from transaction processing all the way up to CFO. Okay. And in terms of the, the sort of organisation that you work with, is there a kind of give me a pen portrait? What's the your ideal customer? What yeah. would that look like? So we work with people who value us. That's really important to the team. So we work with people who are really involved in the businesses that we work with. It's not a very remote relationship. We're very much... We know who your children are called. Um, <laughs> not, in a, not in a weird way. That's a little bit live, We know where you live. <laughs> sounded a bit strange, actually. <laughs> in, a, in a friendly way. <laughs> is that part of your marketing pitch? Uh, well, it should be. It, it normally is, actually, but yeah. in a much less strange way than that came out. Um, yeah, no, we're part of your finance team. We're just not in your office with you. So um, in order to kind of make that work, we're it's very much a, a, a relational or really a relational piece mm-hmm. um so we are involved in what you do we have a client who actually thinks okay this is their part of our team they work with us they know who we are we're also engaged in where our clients are going so we're involved in their journey too whether that be a private equity backed business whether it be somebody who's looking for an exit whether it be a family-owned business who's looking for a succession or an aim-listed business as well so that's kind of who we work with we we typically work with Coming from Scotland, we have a lot of energy businesses. We work a lot with energy, energy in in, in Aberdeen and energy in London. Um, but we also work with lots of variety of different businesses, and it's it's really around the complexity. So they're typically quite complex, but quite low volume, um, okay. and that kind of works and sits quite well with us. Okay, um, I'm keen to just understand a bit more about you actually and your your kind of journey to where you are currently. So potted history without it feeling like an interview what's the kind of potted history of your, your career five-year plan <laughs> yeah uh yeah sure so i trained in big four audit uh worked in there for six years uh left actually when i was on maternity leave um with my little boy um and thought oh, i really don't want to go back there i'd come back from a really long stint in the falklands and thought i really don't want to go to the falklands by myself again um so so left when i came back from mat leave went into industry my senior partner, um, as I left, said, you're going to really not enjoy industry, Lauren. Um, you're going to hate it. You're going to be bored. Um, you are a practice accountant. And I was like, no, no, no. You just want me to say an audit. I don't, I don't agree with you. I don't believe you. <laughs> Six months into my new job, I was like, oh, he's right. Um, I worked in a number of industry roles as a financial controller. Um, I led a number of finance teams. I did lots of really interesting things. Worked for a shell pro- shellfish processor, which was a really interesting experience actually never been in a shellfish factory before no. did you get to take it home the shellfish a bit, a bit, a bit of free shellfish each day or um i'm not 
You can't yeah. say really because that'd probably be that'd probably fail the audit, wouldn't it? I well, no, but I mean, like, so have you ever seen a sea whelk? Uh, I don't know if I have. have I you? absolutely haven't. They are humongous, like bigger than a coffee cup, and they they're caught live, and you see them in in like the big nets when you go in. That would put right. you off. It I guess. Kind of does put yeah. you off. Um, I actually can eat shellfish for a while afterwards. Right. Just yeah. Scarred. Yeah, a little bit. Um. Yeah, so I worked there, um, and that was really interesting. I learned lots about manufacturing accounting, lots of different things, how to run factory KPIs, which was a very new skill. Um, I didn't realise, actually, this is quite funny, that um, before I joined, they didn't make the previous finance manager run the KPI meeting in the factory. They just did it, really, to because they thought it was hilarious, <laughs> because I constantly got stuck in the welly boot washer, because I was quite small. Um, <laughs> I couldn't get out. So they thought that was really funny, so they made me run that. Um but I learned a lot of different skills. That was really, really different. So I worked there for a while and then um, worked for a PE-backed business as a group financial controller. Um, and then at that point, my old boss left and he was a CFO. And it was a kind of, do I want to be a CFO in industry? Because I was kind of at that point, what do I want to do? I thought, I'm not really enjoying this in industry particularly well. And I made a decision about going back to practice and I joined AB. Um, so I joined AB as a in a kind of general role without a job really as a senior manager and they basically let me design my own job nice wow can i do that uh, <laughs> sometimes i think you do that <laughs> but uh so so what made you design did you design the, the virtual finance function that I you did. came up with that idea yeah i did um so i came up with that idea because so i joined as a kind of business advisory senior manager and i quickly learned that that wasn't really my skill set um smaller end accounts weren't really my bag um and I hadn't really done it before and I actually was like this isn't really for me and I missed the operational side of industry so I loved that part of industry spending time with everybody being involved in the business running through everything that was what I loved um and I realized actually there was times in industry where it wasn't that busy and there was times when it was exceptionally exceptionally busy particularly if you worked for private equity um and I had to think about it and I looked at some other offerings that other accountancy firms were doing. It wasn't quite the same. It was all based on practice accountants. They hadn't worked in industry. They didn't know what it was like. Um, and so I went to the partnership, which was then quite small, I think 17 maybe, and said, I'd really like to do this. And they said, OK, we've, we've got your back. You do this. Um, and I did. And that was five years ago. Wow. And, and how did you how did you start it? How did you get your first client? Uh, we got our first client through a referral to the firm. So we'd worked with um, the HR director. We'd worked with him before on a payroll engagement. And um, he came to the firm and said, is this something you could do? And we said, yeah, yeah, we can do this. And it was so it was, it was a competitive tender against three other, three other accountancy firms, all of which had established services, which were similar to us, but slightly different. Um, and... It's actually quite funny because we've we've hired the CFO um, of our very first client in Ireland as a partner, and um, I was speaking to him the other week, and he said I had absolutely no idea that was your first pitch meeting. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> wow, fantastic <laughs> feedback. Very good. Um, I said, like, well, that's good. At least I blagged it well. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued. What's what's the difference then for people working in between industry and practice? So if there's an, somebody that's thinking of getting into accountancy and has got those two routes, you say you'd like that you didn't like that what's the difference between the two so practice is pretty technical so it's all of the kind of technical accounts you 
you're very much focused on compliance, the, the kind of this, the, the accountancy standards, what you're doing what, and, and making sure that everything is compliant and you move forward from that. So it's, it's a very technical base. And I, lots of people train in audit. I trained in audit. Um, lots of people leave audit too. That's quite common. Mm. Um, they all kind of expect that journey. Right. It's quite yeah. dull. Like, I mean, I'm friends with lots of auditors, but it's quite dull. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what that is. And then, industry is a different skill so industry is about understanding the technicalities of accounting and applying them to manage the risk within your business so lots of people confuse your finance teams as like the gatekeeper and they're the ones that say no and they're the ones that actually don't allow you to do things that Mm. shouldn't be how a finance team works it should be working in conjunction with the business to manage the risk Mm. and if it's not that then something's not working um but lots of kind of very traditional finance teams that's what happened i was gonna say do you think the role of finance has changed over the years i think so um and it, it definitely should have because mm. actually with private equity investment with businesses who were very to be honest too highly geared during a number of financial crises you need to have that balance of risk and you need to have a really sensible finance partner who can give you that that management of risk without actually hindering the growth of the business. Mm. What what we saw a lot of was people growing out with their finance team. And I and so the finance team didn't give them the right advice, they didn't give them the right information and they grew too quickly. And growth is fantastic, but you have to have an infrastructure and a working capital facility to support it. And if you don't, there's a massive issue. Mm. So when you were in industry mm-hmm. you said you liked the, maybe the, the what i'm going to say is probably going to come out really wrong the the the, the normal bits going around seeing the different departments yeah. that that sort of side of things what was it you didn't like then and what was it that you thought you know what, i'd rather get back to the practice side of things so in industry everything's very similar so you do the same month end you run the same reports you are reporting to the same people all of the time and the thing which I also find quite difficult in industry, particularly in the businesses I worked, which were more remote, it was really hard to get qualified people um, to work in the team. So that was a huge issue. Um, so we would have people who were great and worked hard, but they, they didn't have the same experience. They didn't have the same knowledge. They, they weren't qualified accountants. And that's really hard to manage a team like that. Um, but generally, I just got bored. Okay. I love a variety. I love working with different clients, doing different things, mm. and you just don't get at that in industry. I yeah, I agree from from a different perspective. Having worked in consultancy many years ago for two and a half years, you, I learned so much in that two and a half years of working with a new client every three or four months, and then I worked in industry for ten years and learned loads as well. But you're right; the rate of the pace of learning is just so much quicker in that kind of in that kind of role. I would say. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I mean, when we hire people into the team. I'm very clear that it's it's very fast paced and it's yeah. it's intense and it's intense because we've purposely stacked I've stacked the team like that so that we've got really experienced people we've got excellent people but we've stacked it all the way through the month so there is no lull mm. typically in industry there's a lull of 10 days in the middle yeah do you find people struggle to adapt when you recruit them assuming you do recruit from industry do you? we do yeah i want to talk about another process that we often get asked to automate which is the processing of sales orders so 
think about a sales order coming to an organization, often it's in a PDF or attached to an email. We're using capture technology to extract the information from that sales order. We're checking what products are on there. We're matching it up against a database to say, do these products exist? We're checking the customer name to say, does this customer exist? We might even check the pricing to make sure the pricing is accurate. If all of that matches, then again, we can just push it straight into an ERP system or a finance system and nobody has to touch it. If there are issues with it, if there are things that don't quite match, we just push that to somebody to manually review and check. But ultimately, again, we're pushing it into an ERP or finance system. It's all about making your life easier. It's about making your team's life easier. And it's about getting cash into your organization quicker and more efficiently. Hopefully that sounds good. If it does, then get in touch. Let's have a coffee and a chat. Enough from me. Back to the podcast. So if you've only ever worked in industry, it's a really big change. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've worked in practice and industry, you understand the intensity of practice. So that's generally an easier transition. Whereas if you've only worked in industry, that is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very careful in how we explain it because actually it is a big change. And in your recruitment, do you, because of VFF, do you look to get people with industry expertise um, or do you just think actually we can change some of the, the, the practice um, sort of regulars into they can they can go out and, and help an industry? No, typically we, we, we look for for people with industry knowledge as well. I mean, when I when I left practice, there's absolutely no way I could have run a finance team. I didn't I wouldn't have known how to do it. I wouldn't mm. have the confidence to speak to actually the rest of the business. I didn't have enough operational knowledge of how a business worked. Mm. So unless you've got that, if you've only worked in audit or corporate tax or a specialist part of practice, you can't actually run a finance team. And what we're finding actually at the moment is there's a huge skill shortage across accountancy anyway. Um and people are joining are leaving kind of mid-tier big four firms to to become the finance managers or the financial controllers of kind of SMEs really um, mm. and they're struggling because they don't actually know what it is if you've only ever worked in audit all you did was audit someone else's numbers yeah. they're never yours mm. and owning those numbers and reporting on those numbers and understanding what they mean and what that looks like is something very different yeah I can I can see that actually you, you mentioned a huge skill shortage mm. um, which I probably wasn't aware of but that would make that would make sense why, why do you think that is why are people not moving into the world of accountancy so I think people are nervous of accountancy I mean I think it's one of those things that actually the exams are tough um, and they really are tough and it's well reported that in kind of the more traditional old school accountancy firms you work really really hard to get to partner to move to progress that's what it is you sacrifice a big chunk of kind of your time Mm. Um, and we're seeing more and more people coming through saying I don't want to be a partner I don't want to do that I'm happy doing this I want to actually work part-time for no reason other than they want more time for themselves and that's very different than when I trained <clears throat> excuse me and and that's we we hear that in in other areas don't we Stephen we do and from a an employer someone who's you know leading a a, a sort of a division if you will how does how does that sit with you when you know people maybe don't have the same hunger the same aspirations to climb that ladder because surely you know, because we were talking a minute ago around how actually you got bored by doing the same same thing month after month. Surely, if you're just going to do the same old thing every week, month, you'll get bored eventually. You just don't know it yet. I think so. Um, and for me, I think it's one of those things. It's about understanding what people's goals and aspirations are and helping them work towards that. So there's lots of things that we can do alongside 
our day-to-day job in accountancy and it's actually about understanding what they look like so I look after for example the sponsorship program at AB um and and I'm keen to kind of have people involved in that if they'd like to be involved in that but it's about understanding actually what matters to people um, and and what makes them want to come to work because it's not just around our kind of core chargeable time and I think probably when I trained it was very much about your core chargeable time and that's really all you focused Mm, on whereas there is a shift away from that and around kind of bigger job satisfaction and what that looks like and if you spend all of your time at work what is what do you have from it do your do your other partners appreciate that because I'm imagining if you've done you've done your time of going through the really tough part in your early career and you've progressed all the way to partner and then these young hotshots come in and go actually I, I'm not it's not all about billable time and I want I don't want to be a partner and I want to do this and I want a work life balance is that understood without getting yourself in trouble with all of your your <laughs> colleagues <laughs> just teeing you up here I think to be honest even I struggle to understand yeah, it a bit I can imagine you yeah. know I, I remember so I trained with Deloitte and I remember going to Deloitte and do my training and we all did it all together and probably 90% of the room wanted to be a partner yeah and it was at no point and I remember um the first of April when I became a partner uh, two years ago thinking I've wanted this basically since I was 22 mm-hmm. um and so to not have that desire I do find unusual um and I, and I don't know I feel old I don't know if it's a, a don't know if it's a generational thing or if it's because actually they're just more interested in pursuing things outside of their career or, or what it is. And when do you think this has started to creep in? Is it a post-COVID? Is it, was it pre-COVID? We have seen it post-COVID a lot. And I think um, everybody coming back to the office, we we work hybrid. Um, and so everyone kind of is in and out and we've kind of changed our office. So it's easy to do that. And there's lots of kind of collective working spaces and everything and, and it works. But yeah, I think that kind of, 22 to kind of 26 year olds have kind of all kind of come back from COVID and said actually I want to do something differently and I don't know if it is the impact of COVID working from home it must have been really isolating working from home Mm. at that kind of age group I think um I had two kids and you know was also homeschooling so I didn't have time to to think about anything else um uh, yeah I mean I was having stand-up arguments with my seven-year-old over algebra um (laughs) because apparently I was doing it wrong um so yeah I think (laughs) honestly I was like I am an accountant (laughs) (laughs) you know my background um so and I think that post-covid world is different and we have to see what that looks like but equally i love what i do so i can't i actually can't imagine not wanting to do it so where do you see that taking you know the profession down the line because at the moment we're heading towards a a, a time where we're not going to have the next generation to lead accountancy firms law firms etc yeah i mean we are and, and we have to look at that as a as a kind of leaders in in accountancy what does that look like for us are we and we're we have excellent people coming through don't get me wrong but we have to support them in what they want to do and what does that look like so for example traditional partnership in accountancy has changed if you look at the number of private equity backed businesses now which are accountancy firms away from the traditional LLP partnership because actually it's a really big check to write if you want to be a partner um and that's not who we are anymore because people don't want to actually the, the size of the check that you would have needed to write to be a partner 
isn't sustainable for the level of growth and consolidation across the accountancy practices. Um, so that's been really, really different. And it's about getting kind of everyone involved in that. What does that look like? How can you actually get to a place where you want to be? What's your speciality and how can we have that in our firm that works for you and works for us? And I think we've kind of that's the balance that we're looking for at AAB is what works for you, but what works for us. It has to be a joint partnership. It can't only work for the team. It has to also work for the firm. So for, for those not in the know, which probably includes me, what what for a traditional LLP firm, what, what's involved in becoming a partner? What does that what does that mean? If you're a traditional LLP, the partners own the firm. So yeah. they you become a partner, you write a big check, which you normally get a loan for. It's the same with law firms. You write a big check, get a loan for your, and that's your partner's equity. Okay. And then the firm performs, you take drawings, and you then when you retire, you get your equity back. Oh, wow. But you've kind of built that up over the course so of the It's like years. a management buyout almost. Pretty in terms. Much. You get the funding yourself and you buy a share and... It's a bit like that, yeah. That's okay. quite a good way to put it, actually. It's, it's quite like that. So Don't compliment him. <laughs> no, please do. Sorry. <laughs> I can be the only one. Um, But yeah, that's how it works. And then, but as the level, so for example, when I joined AB, there was, we had a, we had offices in Aberdeen, Edinburgh and London, I think just then, Um, 250 people at most. um, Now we're a thousand people. The level of growth and consolidation isn't sustainable by a partnership model. Mm. Um, It needs outside investment. If we want to keep up with the, the tech, the, the, just the, the changes in business if we want to hire the best people it, it's the, the partnership model has become le- much less sustainable for accountancy practices and you can see that there's lots of private equity backed accountancy firms now right. and it is different mm. Nobody, I don't know I think probably when I was training you just you, you know, everyone kind of thought that's what you do you become a partner you write a big check that's it and it's not a bad it's a really good thing actually so do you as partners now essentially re- report to with a small r the uh, the private equity firm you you yeah. give them updates on performance and you're yeah. essentially the management board of that organization yeah so it's kind of changed slightly so we're still partners we still make decisions but yeah it is a different structure so yeah the private equity firm they're the ones who've got a lot more in than yeah. anyone else yeah okay interesting and just on the partnership piece so uh presumably the other partners have to agree for a new partner to join you can't just rock up with a check and go i want my slice of the pie is no, that right can't. And that was always quite difficult in partnerships because if you were quite a stagnant partnership, stagnant maybe sounds a bit harsh, but if you were, uh, (laughs) maybe wrong choice of word, if you were uh, a more aged partnership, um, that's 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 almost better. better. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Um, You had to get everyone to agree. Um, so they all had to agree that there was space for you. People perhaps had to give up equity. It was a very kind of, difficult balance to have um, and it was always one I was a bit worried about I was always like <laughs> it's always the loudest always the youngest <laughs> never the girl in the blue shirt it's funny in accountants nearly every accountant I know wears a blue shirt um, I now have one that I wear to partnership meetings just for a laugh um, and, um, <laughs> but I was never that person and I always was a bit like oh I'm not sure I'm actually going to get accepted into the club um, and but it's completely different now right Interesting. Yeah. And I suppose the more partners you get, then the more difficult it becomes to become a partner because you've got to convince 80 partners now instead of 10 yeah. a few years ago. And do you? So if, if it's a PE backed practice, do you have to convince the partners and the PE or how? how? No, it's 
it's different now so it's a much more formal process in terms of like we've got a remuneration committee we've got we've got a c-suite and a board and it's much more at that level that the decisions are made which which makes a lot more sense Mm. because actually what we want is to to incentivize our talent we want everybody to come through and say yeah this is what i want to do and actually when i was training it was it was a wee bit like the partners were kind of through like mystical glass and you kind of didn't really know how you got there and now it's really obvious how you get there and it's really transparent and i really like that Um, because actually leveling the playing field is really good kind of modernized the industry Yeah. yeah and that's what it needed and and the kind of i i'm really passionate about about gender balance and having a lot more women in the partnership and that was never going to happen when mm. it was really difficult to get everyone's vote to say yeah you can come in too because mm. actually diversity brings challenge and that's a really good thing but it's also hard to get lots of other people to devote to vote for that diversity and challenge when they're voting for challenge that's yeah. a tricky vote absolutely <laughs> good i've learned a lot about the inner workings of an accounting film it's interesting <laughs> i want to offer you a job well not quite but I do want to talk to you about Spectrum Digital. We are a business that is growing. We're an exciting business and we're a business that is looking for top talent. We've got a great team here that are passionate about business, technology and automation. We're passionate about making people's lives easier at work. And we're looking for people that are like-minded to come and join the team. If that sounds like you, then slide into my DMs. Let's have a conversation and I may well be offering you a job. So um, one of the things that I know you're passionate about and we are equally passionate about is automation. And I'm interested in your view. Where, where, where have you seen automation being introduced into the world of accountancy yeah. in the last few years? So there's been lots of kind of new things in accountancy. And when I kind of trained, the, lots of things were still done on paper. There was like lots of my clients still had paper files. I remember people still had Doddridge printers, which for people who don't know what they are, they're huge printers with holes in the side. My dad used to have one, they used to draw on it. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, and I mean, there was, there was lots of things done manually that just didn't need to be done manually. So there's been huge change in the industry recently. I mean, we've had accountancy packages, like everyone will have heard of Zero. It's really, they market it as really easy to use. It's cheap, works really well. Lots of automation built in. Uh, bank fees, you know, it pulls all the information straight from your bank. That's amazing. When I kind of started that everybody used to manually key stuff in, it takes away the error. It takes away just the time of repeat tasks. And it's amazing. Which one what was the second one? So zero and another one. Uh, no, so zero's got bank feeds in ah, okay. it. Okay. Um, there's lots of ones. So there's there's zero, there's there's QuickBooks, QuickBooks. Yeah. Um there's there's kind of and they're the kind of cheaper ones. And we work with kind of some mid-market ones as well, like Iplicit, they're ace. Um, but it's really about but packages used to cost an absolute fortune. So having an implementation, having software development, it was really, really expensive. Everything was on premise. You needed to have um, huge servers. Everything was all a bit risky. COVID kind of made everybody sit up and say, hold on, yeah, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. We really need to make a change. Um, and so there's that's been a huge kind of challenger to the industry as well. Actually, we have to get away from paper away from and people some people were really reluctant to move away from kind of that paper-based systems um just because if you've always known it it's the easy thing to do um but covid really kind of pushed that because the doors were closed yeah i think we 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 saw the same john just to introduce you into that conversation what's your experience yeah i I think absolutely so you know pre-covid you know i was selling software solutions mainly in the finance uh, arena um, and absolutely COVID hit. And then suddenly you hear all the stories, how senior directors are driving around, dropping 
purchase invoices off for people to start entering onto the system and and you know and we're talking sizable organizations and you're like this is madness mm-hmm. and the, the the normal story was along the lines of as you rightly said lauren well if it's not broke why am i going to try and change it because it's it's all good and then something like a pandemic hits and then they're like okay this isn't actually as flexible and as efficient as i first thought suddenly we need to we need to take action and since you know post covid you know we've absolutely seen a a seismic change in people's mentality where they would absolutely be no we're fine thanks very much don't need your technology to yeah, now we're open to listening because if it can bring it uh, efficiency in it, the other point I think is you mentioned it earlier. People enjoying their roles. Yeah. Actually, rather than doing use of right at the outset, well, just bore you know each month doing the same old, same old. Actually, giving people that variety, they don't have to <laughs> input two thousand supplier invoices a month. It's like oh, same tomorrow. We'll do letter B tomorrow. Don't have to do that, you know. And no. and that's the thing. A lot of people. COVID, for all the bad things, certainly in industry and in, in business, those sorts of you know light bulb moments where it's like through experience they had some real hardship and normally it was the finance departments that was that, that were put under the gun through that period. It was, and if if all of your information was in pe- on paper and locked in your office, you weren't getting very far with mm-hmm. it. And we we saw that a lot where people were actually like do you know what we were we were frightened of the technology because it was change we didn't think people in the business would because realistically if you're changing your finance system and you're changing your your po system if you're changing how anything works it involves most of the rest of the business and people just weren't willing to have those conversations um in certain cases but actually they realized we're gonna have to do this people are gonna have to get on board and and you're right who wants to be sitting entering the same thing over and over again absolutely nobody and the only and kind of back to our earlier point about kind of attracting people to the industry the only way we're going to actually continue to attract people is by taking away some of that repeat process automating it and saying yeah but you get to do the fun stuff mm. what's the fun stuff so for me, I I, I realised as I said that I was like I'm going to sound like a complete nerd. Um, no, no, there's definitely fun stuff in finance. I'm just is. interested in your Do view you know, on it. So I love like for me, it's about working with the business to achieve their goals. What does that look like for them? What does actually their budget look like? And I love to be the challenger. So I work with a lot of businesses where I kind of go in on the board meetings and I challenge what they've said they're going to do, how they've said they're going to do it, if there's a better way. What does that look like? And I, I really enjoy that kind of to and fro and actually really interrogating their numbers and what they're doing and how they say they're going to do it because that's really interesting. In order to do that, how a finance controller for me has got to be quite commercial. Yeah. Uh, and to step from a finance controller to a CFO or a finance director, you've got to have a commercial edge to you, haven't you? You've got to have seen how businesses work. Now, yeah. how do you get that experience? I get working in industry, but working in industry just is enough finance department doesn't necessarily give you that broader experience it doesn't you have to work for i mean i got that experience from working for a variety of different companies and working with different people working with different stakeholders so i worked with private equity i worked with owner managed i worked with debt backed that was fun um (laughs) what do you mean by debt backed yeah sorry so instead of private equity it was debt funding okay so the basically the lenders were the owners um, right so it's like private equity but it's capital debt 
Is that because they'd kind of defaulted on the, the approved sign as a default on the debt and therefore the lender took that on? Right, okay. Yeah, so okay. that was fun. So presumably they just want their money back as quickly as possible and get yeah. out. Yeah, so running a business with no money is a really interesting way to learn. I bet. Do you know what it is? It's a really interesting, and it is, and I learned a lot running a business, like running a finance team with no that money. That must be hugely mm. stressful. It's really, really stressful. Um, I, We got a, an email on Christmas Eve saying, it was a pay less notice from one of our big, big, big customers. And the pay, so if you issue a pay less notice, it's, we've, issued, you've, we've issued you a sales invoice and they say, okay, we're going to pay this much less. The sales invoice was for two and a half million and they said, we're going to pay you zero. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. And I just thought, I wish I hadn't opened that. Um, yeah, I mean, that is really stressful, but you learn a lot. And the reason you learn a lot is because you understand the inner workings and you, you you strip out what's most important. So that was, you learn a lot commercially from that way. And you just have to deal with so many people in the business. Mm. Trying to explain accruals to engineers was honestly one of the most <laughs> difficult things I've ever had to do. Um, <laughs> and But getting people to own their numbers is really important. And you only learn that from working in an industry. So we train people from practice. We take on um, apprentices, graduates. And I was concerned about that when we started it because we very much had a industry-based model um so you brought a practice and industry so i was like i don't know how we're going to kind of get them to have the the operational finance knowledge that we do um and but actually put people out on comment um and that works really well so okay. um so for some of the business the bigger businesses that we work with they don't want a vff because they've got like say 30 40 people in their finance team mm-hmm. um but we put some of our team out in comment if they've got needs in the team um so they learn that way that's, that's a that's good idea. Really good idea. I guess working in smaller companies as well makes you more rounded because it does. You have to be a bit of everything, don't you? In a smaller turn company. your hands to all sorts. Yeah. yeah, typically in a smaller company, the finance manager is in charge of you know random things that you've got no kind of knowledge of, like yeah. IT. If in doubt, give it to the finance. Give it to finance, finance. IT, yeah. cleaning, HR. They're kind of the typical ones you get, and you think, <laughs> why am I doing this? Receptions, the other one. Yeah. phones you know just <laughs> random things <laughs> insurance <laughs> very good so we talked about automation and kind of what you've seen over the last few years yeah. if we if we cast my mind forward a little bit what over the next five years how do you think automation is going to start to play out in the autom- in the accountancy world i think we've only scratched the surface with automation and accountancy we've kind of got it doing the basics really from my mm-hmm. from my perspective there's so much more it could do um particularly around repeat process there's so many repeat processes that we do as accountants that actually if we just let the tech take over um we could get that done and concentrate on different strategy type pieces i think for accountants it's a difficult kind of let go they like to be in control yeah i I can imagine so when you say like repeat is it where because i would have thought you know you you must be adding value in those repeat processes some are some aren't Okay. Give us some examples. What 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 are you referring to? What so, are you of? I'm in sales. I'm taking notes. Yeah, well, I actually am. <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the most time consuming processes that we would do is payment runs. So we enter payment runs, and that takes a really long time because no matter what you do with the bank, so you can have payment files, you can have um, like templates, you can do an automated box file, but it the process just never really works. And we do that every month um, or every week, um, depending on, on how frequently they get paid. And that process takes a really long time. So we're actually working on an automation project at the moment to automate those payment processes. And I estimate that that'll probably take 
a person and a half's time a year um, out of the time. And that way we can spend doing some of the repeat processes that do add value. So mm. at a month end, when we look at your management accounts, when we evaluate all of your numbers, when we review what's coming out, what does it look like? What are your accruals? What are your prepayments? Are there contract balances we need to look at? Yeah, that's a repeat process, but it requires a different type of judgment that you can't build into AI. Yeah. Um, Although people are convinced that you will be able to build it into AI, which I find quite interesting. Mm. Um, I read a, an article about six weeks ago um, where they got um, an AI to sit the accountancy exam um, and they got them to sit the, the kind of word one. So the one that's kind of a yes or a no. So it's much less kind of judgment. And they got them to sit that, but they only got 41%. You need 50 to pass. I mean, 41 is quite close. Um, those exams are hard, but it's about accountancy is often not a yes or a no answer mm. um so i actually just moved house and i got a a, a, a painting for my wall and it's um, a, a penguin cover book and it says accountants um, making two plus two equal five and that kind of is what we do um <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't often sometimes it just doesn't make logical sense but it's about applying the standards plus recommended practice plus all of the knowledge that we have and getting the right answer um, and that is something not typically able to be put into AI. Do you think it will be in the future, though? Because it's evolving it be. at such a rate, it's incredible. It is incredible, and you can see you can see it coming, and you can see the changes. And I think what AI can't replace is, and I think this is probably the bit I find I think it'll find most difficult to replace is we build a relationship with our customers and our clients. And they trust us and they trust our judgment. Mm. It's harder to trust the judgment of someone that you've never met, which is what AI is. Mm. Now, yeah, 2023, but um, our children's generation, yeah. they may be a lot more, well, I've been used to tablets and whatever that says in Siri and whoever, you know, so down the line. They may be. Do you see um, AI, you know, there's been something recently about, you know, the threat of AI. So where there's evidently positives, do you see some negatives down the line where it could get too far and you're like, whoa, that's... That's not ideal in from an accountancy perspective. Um, I mean, there, perhaps. I mean, there's always threats with everything, isn't there? And I think, um, I mean, there's the IT security threat, which is obviously massive. And there's been some massive cases around that just now. And people need to be really careful around that. And I think what I would find at the moment is that people are pushing AI in a way that they need to make sure that underlying tech and the security is developed that supports the business as opposed to just driving AI for AI's sake. It's, a, I think for yeah. me, it's about understanding what problem are you trying to solve? Mm. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to take time out? Are you trying to take people out? What does it look like? Because if you can upskill your team to do something much more interesting in terms of, say you need somebody to look after your contracts, but actually they're spending their time in and purchasing invoices. Well, okay, so let's automate that part and then upskill them to do the contract part. That's really interesting. Um, great idea as well <laughs> absolutely yeah <clears throat> and that's but that is so i think sometimes there's a fear oh but if i if i if i embrace this maybe i'm kind of doing myself a disservice or out of a job correct <laughs> but you're not you're because actually what you can say is oh okay so that can do that actually the quite boring part of my job mm. and i can do a much more interesting part and i think we need to look at it like that in terms of okay what can we solve and then what can i achieve out of that as opposed to oh because i've seen loads of articles about being threatened by AI and you know oh I'm ne- accountants are never going to have any you know, like that's just not true you know there's so much that we can do that actually we just need to to, to embrace it what's what's the attitude of most FDs CFOs that you speak to around 
automation and AI and are they do they are they interested in it? Are they looking at what that could bring to them, or is it something that will probably just happen in the future? I think some are. I think it depends what type of industry you're in. I think if you're mm. in a kind of more traditional kind of construction like property that is a trickier kind of they find it a bit trickier and they probably would need a partner in a lot of cases and they've got a lot of repeat processes um that they need a lot of assistance with but Mm. they often come from more traditional background i think there is a kind of move in some of the more tech businesses and the kind of startups they're really keen on ai so i think it depends where you sit in the in the Mm. kind of industry sector yeah i think we are to be fair we have a lot of success and i think we we help businesses that probably have been more traditional in the yeah. past yeah. and want to modernise and don't have the knowledge and the infrastructure to, to get to where they need to get to. And that's where you know, we can be that partner. But I think that's what you need to, because realistically, if I was if I was leaving AAB and, and going to join industry again, you know, I wouldn't go somewhere that didn't have any kind of tech strategy, where mm. they were headed, what they were looking for. And so those businesses, in order to keep any kind of talent that they've got, need to partner with someone like you to actually get them there there. i was going to ask actually Mm. lauren so uh, a few years ago i went to a a, a leeds law society event and they were talking about the attraction of you know um students out out of uni um graduates even uh and how technology so obviously law and i'm assuming to a similar extent accountancy is has been a little bit slower i think accountancy less so actually it's probably a disservice to technology mm-hmm. but to attract the millennials and whatever the next generation after them is i'm way too old to know that but um gen z gen z not sure yeah yeah ones. yeah Bax normally <laughs> Bax knows all of that sort of stuff hey, gen x. Gen thank x. you gen <laughs> x um they their their observation was or their concern was actually you know the speed of law firms actually adopting technology to attract that new younger talent and do you have the similar sort of thing when recruiting the questions you get asked when recruiting from from your prospective employees we do so i'm too old to recruit the graduates now so i don't go to the interviews Ah. Um, but (laughs) the um yeah from that's what the team are feedback interestingly is we're getting asked questions about our tech strategy about what we're doing about automation about how we we're going how we're going forward we're getting graduates who who are giving us feedback on our kind of onboarding process and how we can improve that and you know it's very interesting the challenges we get back the other main challenge actually we get is around esg and what our esg policy is right. which never would have come up five years ago yeah, that's and that's interesting. really interesting you're not the first person to mention esg on this podcast it seems to come up time yeah. and time again. yeah um oh cool uh, i just want to pick your brain on your experience of growing um, the virtual finance function because you've essentially been an entrepreneur within that business and you've you've taken you've created a startup and you've grown it over five years yeah. so what's what's gone wrong what are the things that you think oh, i wouldn't do it wouldn't do that again because i'm always interested in the lessons learned as opposed to yeah do you know you're right i i've grown it in the safety of ab which was a really good thing for me because i had all of the other people around me so i had yeah. much less risk than most entrepreneurs to be honest um yeah so there's a few things we did wrong um we took clients on at a discount as favors that was the shambles um would never <laughs> do that again um we we took on the wrong type of client um i was quite keen on what our like i was very kind of clear on what our value proposition was why people went with us and in kind of my haste to grow it we took on clients outside of that it just didn't work mm. um so we took on kind of really high volume kind of like less kind of not as big businesses and it just was a disaster um we took on a few clients who just 
wouldn't conform to what we suggested either so we're quite clear on if you work with us we expect you to use an expenses app we expect you there's no paper um you know and those are kind of the guidelines and people are like oh we don't really want to do that and like, oh, oh okay and it just doesn't work <laughs> now it's a it's a non-negotiable yeah. it's, it is or it isn't and we if can you don't want to we... work with us that's absolutely fine we can recommend uh, i mean there's lots of people you can work with we'll absolutely recommend them to you it's not us mm-hmm. um so that was that was probably kind of client wise those were a few things we, we got wrong um and from a kind of team wise we we hired a few of the wrong people um it was interesting you asked it around kind of industry versus practice and, and we hired a couple of kind of only industry people and they really did struggle and I probably hadn't anticipated and I felt quite responsible for that actually I hadn't anticipated how much they would struggle mm. um so that was kind of that was difficult and and for me personally I think it was just around being honest about when things went wrong and saying okay this just hasn't worked mm. what do we need to do how do we fix it how do we get back on track it's interesting I think we can I can relate to a, a lot of them in terms of you know, my journey of the last two and a half years, I think the clients we've taken on that you probably think just not not the right fit and being brave enough to say this is not the right fit yeah. is, a, is a big call, but it's the right thing to do. It's really hard because you're trying to grow something. So you think, okay, well, if it adds revenue, yeah. then it has to be the right answer, yeah. but it's just not. No, no. And the pain it causes despite a bit more revenue is just, it, it's just not worth it. What I realised, and I realised quite quickly was, that I had to value the team more than I valued growth Yeah. because I needed the team to grow mm. and we were never going to grow without, I've built an amazing team and they're just fantastic. And I look at them and think, I can't believe you work here. <laughs> Some of them, they're just fantastic and they're technically excellent. They've got amazing experience and I'm so privileged that they're in my team. And the last thing I want to do is get them to work on some of the clients, type of clients I took on at the beginning because actually it was awful. Mm. And I never won that again. Um, and, and I learned that lesson. But you have to learn those lessons, don't you? You have to you go do. through some of that pain to, to, to learn it and come through the other side. Good. All right. Uh, the question I always ask everybody is, um, the podcast is called Tomorrow's Workplace Today. So if you cast your mind forward 10 years, mm-hmm. what do you think the workplace of 10 years time looks like? Can you describe that to me? Um, so when everyone looks he didn't, like he didn't warn you about that no, one. I, I, never, I never do. I never do. <laughs> There's <laughs> a hospital policy. Right it's a one. test to see who watches a podcast till the end, which is which is nobody. But they, I mean, <laughs> I did watch quite a lot of the podcast. I don't think I saw this question, so clearly not till the end. Um, do you know? I think it looks really different, even from when I started over ten years ago. I'm not telling how old I am, but um, it looks really different. So the the way we dress is different. The, the interaction with other people. The and it's, I can only see it heading more in that direction. So much more relaxed, much more in a hybrid model, and actually a lot more integrated with your home. So what works for your home and what works for your business has to be together. I think when I first joined, um big four it was very very corporate mm. and it just isn't that anymore and i can't see it ever going back there and i can only see it going in the same direction mm. yeah good good answer brilliant <laughs> lauren thank you very much for yeah, joining on the really pod enjoyed that brilliant. Learned a lot. we've learned loads so thank you very much thank you very much <laughs>